Hear ye, hear ye. The king has a message for you. If you will lay down the arms of your rebellion and you will swear fealty to your king, he will pardon all your treason. Thus saith the king. Well, now the complaint emails are going to start rolling in. I'm glad you said that, Derek. We're in a fishbowl. It's a fishbowl. I can't breathe underwater. Instead of hitting your job, why don't you pray for your coworkers? Truth bomb. Dude, where are you going? This is not over. We're still recording. When was the last time you got murdered for your bait? I'm going with Never. No, he's not invited. I don't care. He's not coming on the he show. He wants to come. He's not coming I've on the show. stacks and stacks of emails. You've got mail. And welcome to the podcast. Today is Wednesday, December 5th. <laughs> That's not your cue, man. We are, of course, the Hear You Kings. I for one cannot believe you just said that. <laughs> I'll flip this table right here, Derek. I'm not he's afraid. A, he's a socialist. He's straight up a socialist. Oh, shut up, Dishonored. There's Sean the Crazy. A new translation, please. Oh, that's not even a translation. Dude, flat earth. I'm crazy. I'm crazy. You're crazy. Oh, great. This is the only reason I read in third grade. Free pizza. Yes, they believe that. That's nonsense. And greetings and welcome to the podcast. This is the Hear Ye Kings and we are the Hear Ye Kings. I'm your bald, beautiful host, JD. <laughs> Alongside me is the Pirate King himself, Derek Earl. What's up, everybody? How you doing? Man, happy Monday. Yeah, dude. Happy Monday. It's that time. It's that time. Time for a podcast. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> Buckle tired. up. I'm tired. I don't know about you. Are you tired? <laughs> a little bit. It's been a rough week. It's been busy. Like, yeah. It's warming up out there, and it's like all those chores you were putting off in the winter. Now you got to get out, work on those yards, work on those <laughs> gardens. Like... Yeah, it's that time, dude. So it's been nice weather, though. So I have to have to give it that. You kind of redid some of the front of your house. I saw that on Facebook. Yeah, we did some. Day. We did a little bit of landscaping or whatever. We did. Uh, what, what was it? Like I ripped out all the grass on the one side, and then uh, just filled it with like rocks and wood chips nice. and stuff. And so it was all like weeds. I, I say we ripped out all the grass. We ripped out all the weeds. People <laughs> were coming by like, "Hey, uh, what are you gonna do with all your your grass?" Where I was like, "Uh." Well, I mean, it's kind of not really good. Oh, well, we'll take it. I'm like, mm, okay. You don't want that. <laughs> like, so they're taking. Some people came by and took some. I'm like, have fun. That's not <laughs> topsoil. Bunch of weeds. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So other than that, though, dude, week's been going pretty good. One of my kiddos is not feeling super well, so oh, I'll man. be leaving here to take care of the old sick kiddo when I'm when That's I'm done. Worst. Yeah. I hate that. What do you do though? What do you do? He'll be okay. He'll live. He'll survive. Muscle through it. Yeah, we'll pray for him. As long as, as, long as it's not a man called, those are the worst. <laughs> they are, dude. They're oh, awful. A lot of people don't think they're real. Apparently, that's no, a real thing. Okay. I, I looked it up. I Googled it. It's a real thing, yeah. dude. Uh, anyway, so your week? You're going it's good? been a good week. It's been really busy. Lots of exciting things going on at work. So lots of changes coming, different exciting things going on. So Nice. Very nice. Been working a ton, but enjoying every minute of it. And uh yeah, we've been having some barbecues and stuff. Like, yeah, so we've had it's the, the season. It is. It's like it's so. a perfect time too, because like right now, if you get in the evening, like it's it's cold enough that you can still do like a bonfire or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. know, in the summertime, you, you wait all the way until nine o'clock. It's still hot outside. Right. And it's just yeah, and it's still and light. You're just roasting. It's still light. And you're like, okay, yeah. what am I? This is dumb. You got you got the sun beating down you, plus the flame from the grill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so, so it's the perfect time. My right problem now. is every time I barbecue, every time I smoke, like I was smoking on a big green egg this week, and I just end up smelling. Smoke just like like, <laughs> like campfire thing. Oh, like, like, like a smoker or something. Like, well, I, I like, every time I smoke, I was like, I didn't know you smoked. <laughs> so I, no, I was using a big green egg, and it's a smoker, and it's a grill. Oh, okay. And I'm impatient because I like 
I want to start. I want to make sure it's working. Right. And without fail, every time I'm messing around with it, all of a sudden it's just building out like, like, huge clouds of, of smoke. Like, oh, people no. People are calling the fire department. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And I just end up, I can't even see what I'm doing because I'm trying to like relight it, but it's just right. got tons of smoke coming out. Oh, that's awesome. So, man. yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you, don't, you never want to do it like on a Sunday night either, because then you're like, you feel like you're like, oh, if I, even if I shower, I don't know if I'm going to get all the smoke smell mm-hmm. like off, right? Like, so, and then you go to work and just smell like a campfire. No, I, I showered yesterday. I was at church today because it's Sunday when we're recording this. And I like right. put my hand over my face. I'm like, is that campfire still? Like, what the heck? Like, I, I just dude, felt it on my face. Smelling like <laughs> fire. Speaking oh, of fires. Speaking of fire, let's do it. <laughs> I could not believe you just did that, dude. I'm like, oh, I looked down at the board, like, what is that? Oh gosh, something uh, broke. That was amazing, dude. Thank you so much for uh, that. What's up, everybody? Emails, things that annoy me, and crazy town. We got hey. some etc. Let's Listen, do it. So what? we had our show last week. Yeah. We're talking about emails because I'm already looking at the big stack of emails that we have. Oh, yeah. It's not. A, it's a big stack. But so I just want to use last weekend as an example. You know, <laughs> Ming sent an email. Right. We, you know, we bickered back and forth through email. And yep. we had him on the show. Yeah. Everybody listened. We were nice. We played nice. Like we didn't like, you know what I mean? We're yeah, all we still were, friends. We were nice to him. So I don't want people to be afraid to send emails or to come on the show or think that we're just going to, you know, right. I don't know what to do. Or gang up on him. Like, I might. Let's just have, I didn't gang up on me. We, no, that's what I'm saying. That yeah, like, was good. I'll keep Derek in check. Like, let's have a conversation. Yeah, so, yeah. please, by all means, just because I can't say the email doesn't mean it doesn't exist. <laughs> it's out there. It's on Jesters. It's, it's at the tip of somebody's fingers. There's an email out there. I can feel it. I know. Somebody send it in with a question. Listen, I'm just going to say, you know right, what? I know Jay's got one. Yeah. So, Jay, yeah. write us an email. Now, at this point, I'm, I'll even take just complaints. So... Yeah. And I'll hide. Maybe them. you don't like our hype music or yeah, our commercials, I know, dude. or I don't I, know. Dude, if they don't like a commercial, you need to stop bad, watching the show. My bad jokes, like. Oh man. So yeah, we don't have any emails. Bummer. No emails but, today. But uh, that's okay. We're gonna keep rolling right on through things that annoy me, other than not getting any emails. Apparently, there's something we'll never run out of. And things that annoy Derek. There's plenty, and and <laughs> it's a fitting week too because this week we're talking about sanctification, right? So. So what's yeah, sanctifying you this week, Derek? So what is sanctifying me this week? So uh, cheap corner cutting type repairs. What are you talking about? So here, here's what I mean. Uh, I think we've all maybe had like a handyman or something come to our house or maybe somebody that like if you, if you own a house that was built and you were the first person that lived there or maybe it was people that lived there before you that kind of did some repairs before they sold it. And as, as soon as you found the quote unquote repair, you immediately recognize like, oh, this was a cheap sort of shoddy <laughs> right. job. Like what, what? And so the one that initially came to mind, I was in this house one time, uh, sort of a, kind of a townhome or whatever had had like a the U-turn shaped staircase. So you go down and then it's yeah. like on a little platform and you turn around and you go down the rest of the way. Right at the bottom at that wall, as you come down the first set of stairs, that whole wall, the whole wall, which you think is just a normal wall, right. I came bolting down one time Thought I would kind of bank off of it, you know, and oh, because I was moving, it was like boom, flying down. You put your hand out to like kind of stop yourself oh, yeah. on the wall and then t- spin to go down the rest I'm of the stairs. You. The whole wall went in, dude. Like like straight up, just paper mache. <laughs> like the whole wall went right through the drywall. And I get up and like there's there like, no and there's this giant hole. 
Oh, I'm like, geez. and all they did was like stuff it with newspaper Stop. and no, and then just plaster it over it so it looked flat. And Yikes. it was not a wall at all. There was no real wall there. So it's it's repairs like that that absolutely yeah. drive me nuts. And uh, anyway, the the reason this came up even in the first place was remember the check engine light came on. Yeah. And I had to go deal with this whole check engine light thing where they had to do the little smoke test on the car and stuff, find out where it was leaking because it was one of emissions or whatever. Right, right. And uh, so I took it over. And I'm just going to call these fools out, dude, because I'm frustrated. So if you're listening to this, you're getting valuable information right now as a Salt Lake City resident. I went to the West Valley uh, Ken Garf Dodge. That's right. West Valley Ken Garf Dodge. I just called you out. So I'm Mm. I'm there, and they're like, oh, yeah, we can do the smoke test for you. It looks like there's a couple software recalls. We can update the software recalls are free. And, uh, yeah, and then we'll, we'll get you on your way. I'm like, okay, cool. So they did this smoke test. I had to leave it, and they said it'd be like a day or two. So I leave it. And then they call me back. They're like, hey, so we did the smoke test. Um, it looks like uh, as soon as you do like the, whatever kind of test this is, you have to drive it for so many miles before the emissions sensor thing will, will reset. It's like sure. a reset. And then we can do your emissions test. I'm like, okay. And they're like, so we drove it like all the way to Valnifol, and it still hadn't reset yet. I'm like, oh. Well, and they're like, so yeah, you just come in and get it, drive it for a few days. It'll reset in that few days. Then you can bring it back. And uh and we'll get you. We'll get you checked out. I'm like, okay, that's kind of unfortunate, but whatever. So I go in, I sure. pick it up, pay the money for the smoke test, and uh, and he said that he was going to get everything else done. He was going to do the recall stuff and yeah. and all that. And so I go pick it up. And he's like, yep, we took care of everything. It's all good. You just need to go drive it so we can finish the emissions part. So I go pick it up. Okay. I go drive it around, and then I realize I look at the calendar. I'm like, oh wow, my my inspection like is I, I need it before the end of the month. Right. And there was only like a few days left. Right. Right. It's it's May fifth now. This was like right at the end of April. Sure. And so I call him. I'm like, um, you told me to drive it for a couple days, but I need the sticker like tomorrow. Yeah. If I bring it back in tomorrow, you think it'll reset? They're like, well, we actually can't get you in until like the eighth. Uh, and I'm like, whoa, I got the sticker. Yeah, don't worry about it. Just have uh, your you know your paperwork in the car that says that you were here with us. Cop, they won't give you a ticket. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want to take your word for it. I'm like, you right. really can't get me in at all just to do a simple, like, quick emissions check yeah. so I can get my sticker. In yeah, and, and they're like, yeah, our next appointment's on the 8th. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I, I called the one way up in Layton or wherever yeah. it's at, Farmington. I go all the way to Farmington to the other Dodge dealership and, uh, and called them first. And I was like, hey, are, you know, are you guys able to get me in for the end of the month? I know everybody's really busy right now because that's what I was assuming. Yeah. And he's like, well, for what? I'm like, for an emissions check. He goes, yeah, we can get you in before the end of the month. Right. <laughs> like, you still got a couple days or whatever. And, uh, and and I'm like, well, the guys over at West Valley told me they couldn't get me in until for two weeks. Yeah. And he's like, seriously? To, for an emissions check? And then he lost it on the phone. He goes, I'm so sick of getting calls from this. He's like, yeah. wow, apparently this place is bad. So I get all the way up there, and they're like, oh, you know you got two recalls on, on this thing, too, for software updates, right? And I'm like, yeah, they told me they took care of that. He goes, nope, nothing's been done. So what did you pay for? Just apparently the smoke <laughs> test, dude. I was just like, "Are you kidding?" Well, I didn't have to pay for the the, the recalls because they're free because right, it's a but recall. But they told me that they took care of them, and I mean, it's things like that yeah. over and over. Saying they they took care of me, they hooked me up up there in Farmington, got it all done. So, so let's good. shout out those guys. Yeah, like, yeah. Shout out to the the Farmington Dodge dealership up there, man. They did pretty late. good. They did good. But this West Valley one, don't go there. So anyway, that was super annoying. If you've ever been totally, I don't know if I can I say the term shafted. <laughs> like if oh, you've boy. ever been just completely just messed up. And and been run over by some company that has said that they're going to do something for you, and then they kind of looks like they do it, but then you find out right. later, it's like, wow, you totally cut corners, and this is awful. I've had plenty of experiences like this, so it's really just obnoxious and it's annoying, and I'm not sanctified enough to tell those people <laughs> that, you know, I, don't know, I love you. No, I don't. You frustrate me. So on to Crazy Town. 
Crazy Tales. This week, I read something that I was like, it took me back to 1998, I think is when it was. I don't oh, remember. Boy. When did, when did uh, Armageddon and Deep Impact come out? Dude, I don't know. Was but that 98? Let's just take a minute to remember <laughs> Lily Zobieski, who was in Deep Impact, who was like, oh, no, she wasn't in that. Was she? In yeah, yeah, she was, yeah, yeah, she was Deep Impact. Yeah. What uh, happened? I'm just saying, that was a that was like my first childhood crush. So oh, my Deep gosh. Impact, Lily Zobieski. <laughs> Oh, wow. Amazing yeah, yeah. actress. Yeah, she was in that 1998 drama sci-fi, two yeah. hours and one minute, PG-13, oh, yeah. Deep Impact. That was one of my favorite movies. Everybody Life loved changing. Armageddon. No, no, no. No, I picked Deep Impact oh. any day over Armageddon. I thought Armageddon was ridiculous. But uh, all the same, um, I, I read this article this week, just kind of skimming through random news stuff, and apparently... There's this huge asteroid named the God of Chaos. Bum, it's named bum, after like the Egyptian, you know, God of Chaos, obviously. And uh, it's supposed to fly by Earth in 2029. Ooh. Now, wh- wh- whoop-de-doo, right? Like we have tons of them that fly by. But apparently this one is 1,100 feet wide, and it's going mm. to be coming within 20,000 miles of Earth. So, so cutting you, a little close. Dude, you talk about the grand scale of everything and how far away stuff is. For this asteroid that's, you know, 1,100 feet wide to come within 20,000 miles, that's really, really close. And, uh, and so I'm thinking, okay, well, did you guys just find this? Like, why has this not really been talked about? And, of course, that reminded me of Deep Impact, like, yeah. where they just kept everything secret or whatever. And uh, apparently they've had knowledge of this thing since 2004, I've never heard of the God of Chaos asteroid oh, yeah. that's huge, that's coming super close. And so, so they've been tracking it for 15 years. And uh, the, the quote in the article says uh, that scientists say that the asteroid has a 1 in 100,000 chance of striking Earth decades in the future, after 2060. Hmm. So I guess it, it loops around fairly I often, and we just yeah. haven't known about it. But a 1 in 100,000 chance... And these guys discovered it in 2004, kept it secret, or I don't know if they kept it secret or they just didn't really say anything about it, and they've been tracking it for 15 years, it's going to come within 20,000 miles of Earth. I just thought, you know what, maybe AOC is right. Maybe the world is going to end in 10 years. More, <laughs> more importantly, if, if it does strike the Earth, who is going to save Lily Sobieski now? Like, I, don't, I think happen? Elijah Wood is still <laughs> on the job. I think, I think that hobbit is still going to save us, dude. <laughs> Oh, man, it's crazy. So, yeah, apparently it's this monster asteroid on its way here. Google it, everybody. It's called the God of Chaos asteroid. It's going to pass Earth in 2029. Pass Earth, but not hitting it. Not apparently, yeah. Apparently it's not going to hit it. But within 20,000 miles, like I think if I dig into this article somewhere, it said something about uh, scientists were really trying to figure out what kind of effect uh, Earth's gravity was going to have on this because... At a typical trajectory, like it's just kind of going around and yeah. and it's going to pass within 20,000. But if Earth, I mean, Earth's huge, so, I mean, it's fairly big. Like, if it gets that close, is it going to, I'm wondering, like, dude, I was, I don't, I'm not a science guy. I was like, could it, could it kind of suck it in a little bit because it's like gravity? Like, could this thing hit us in 10 years? I'm just... Like, cool, dude. <laughs> like, this is going to happen. This is why I thank God that it's flat and we're just resting on top of a turtle. Yep. And there's nothing to worry what? about. Turtle Island. Just flat earth turtle <laughs> life, baby. You are ridiculous. And with that, we are going to cut. 
Are you tired of sitting around not knowing what to do? Why don't you head on over to AEKings.com? That's right, AEKings.com for the latest, greatest in Christian podcasting. And when you're done with that, head over to Facebook at AEKings and Twitter, AEKings and Instagram at AEKings. This ad was paid for by the Royal Treasury of the AEKings in the hopes that you would hear the name AEKings so many times that you wouldn't be able to get it out of your mind until you subscribe to the AEKings. New what? A podcast! What in the blazes is that? It's this new epic Christian podcast called Hear Ye Kings. Hear Ye what? Hear Ye Kings. Hear Ye Kings? Yeah, Hear Ye Kings. They talk about theology and politics and how to tell people about Jesus. Jesus? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah? I was praying to Jesus this morning. He said he had a message for you. Yeah? Yeah. He said, take out the filthy rubbish. Tune in to the Hear Ye Kings, an epic Christian podcast and highlight of your week. New episodes every Monday. But don't forget to take out the rubbish. All I'm saying is the earth is flat. We're on a turtle who's on a turtle who's on a turtle. And it's just a stack of turtles. Dude, like the promo says, I'll flip this table right now, Josiah. Next you're going to tell me the lizard people aren't real. Oh, my gosh. Anywho. You a flat earther? Email me. Okay? Let me know. Yeah. And then Josiah will have, have a friend. Back me up on this. Tell them lizard people are real. That's ridiculous. <clears throat> so, we're continuing our series, The 20 <laughs> Basics of the Christian Faith. Kind of starting to wind it down a little bit. Yeah, it's <clears> coming like down. Four or five we're weeks left. A few weeks. So... You guys enjoyed it? Has it been fun? Uh, have you? Yeah. Email, hope, us. email us. Let us know. Awesome. I'm just going to keep plugging <laughs> emails. <laughs> God, we're going to get like 30 emails this I week. I'm not going to know what's That's fine, do. dude. I'm just going to keep them for every Whatever. week after that. Oh, so this week we're talking about sanctification and perseverance. Oh, what is boy. sanctification and perseverance? If you'd like to follow along with us, just go to www.hearyakings.com forward slash, I guess Ming said. Apparently it's a forward slash. Uh, Christian Basics. Know. Click on the picture of Derek running. And, uh, <laughs> definitely not me running, Love brother. the New Balance shoes. Oh, thank you. Um, what about those calves <laughs> that I'll never have? <laughs> oh, mercy. Those aren't Dorito calves. No, it might be Ming. Ming, Ming might be. I don't Ming know. He's a runner. Is he a runner? I don't know. I, don't know if he's, I know he's a climber. Might be Ed. <laughs> Ed's a runner. Ah, something. What is sanctification and perseverance? What sanctification, is sanctification? I, sanctification and perseverance would be me running. <laughs> That's exactly what that would be, yeah. which is why I use that, because you need a serious level of perseverance and uh, massive training to be able to kind of well, to do that, to, to, the, to do the awful, unfun process of running. So I'm not a runner. Are you a runner? 
Uh, if I'm running, something's on fire, or there's some scary animal yeah. chasing me. So <laughs> what? What? In the, it was the office. I think it was an episode of the office where Kevin, the really big guy, yeah. like he was. I don't remember. Oh, oh, the IT people came in and they were like checking people's computers because they yeah. were trying to to find out who uh, was the whistleblower was for the company because something sure. like a printer had caught on fire. And there's this scene where like they come in and they're like, "Wait, he's checking everybody's computers," and they're like, "Yeah, Kevin, he's they're checking all of them." He runs to his computer really fast. <laughs> Because I'm guessing he's got something shady on there that right. he probably shouldn't have at work. And so he runs over there. And as he's running, they're like, Oh, we already got to yours, Kev. Already got to He's like, And then he runs back and he comes back and he's like, Oh, I mean, that that's cool. I'm I'm a runner. I like to run. It's like, dude, you're yeah. huge. You're clearly yeah. not a runner. Yeah. So that would be me if, if if I was like, Yeah, I'm a runner. People I'm, people look at me like, Really? Yeah. When, Dun when Dunkin' Donuts came up with their slogan, America runs on Dunkin', that was after me. That's the kind of running I do. Like, <laughs> yeah. I run on Dunkin'. I run after Dunkin'. <laughs> oh, mercy. So, so what is sanctification yeah. and perseverance? Uh, My favorite I, part of this series has been kind of learning some of what these big Christian words yeah. actually mean. Like, you hear them all the time. I, I see them on Facebook and stuff, but well, sanctification. I mean, a lot of people will just end up, you know, attending church, and and words like this will get tossed out, and they're, they're what we call Christianese. I mean, it's yeah. it's a language in and I'll, of itself yeah, that yeah. if you're a guest coming into uh, this sort of a topic or whatever, like just church topic in general, you don't know what a lot of these words mean. So, uh, and I think Dr. Grudem had that in mind when he wrote out like here are these twenty basics. A lot of the titles of these basics are there. They're just foreign words or they mean something different. Like when we talked about election, uh, I mean you even made the joke about like a presidential election. Like right. that that's not it. It's a totally different thing. And uh, and so anyway, so let's let's deal with this. What is sanctification and perseverance? Sanctification uh, is the process of God cleaning your cleaning you up in in like in a moral sense and in a lifestyle sense. Like so after God saves you uh, via justification, right, in Christ dying on the cross and His sure. resurrection, all according to His election. So there's all those terms all yeah. thrown in there. Um, from that moment forward, you're going through, a, you're beginning a process that will continue all the way until death. You'll right. go through the sanctification process, a process of God cleaning up your lifestyle, cleaning up your decisions, cleaning up uh, your behaviors, uh, so that you can be look more like Jesus, which is what Scripture right. says, right? It says He's going to conform you or transform you uh, into the image of His Son. He's trying to make you look more like Christ, act right. more like Christ, be more like Christ. That process is sanctification. Uh, if you were to try to maybe relate it to something, it would be a little bit like taking uh, raw metal or something and heating it up and then beginning to twist it and mold it and bang on it on an anvil to try to get it to sure. you know, transform into whatever you know product you're trying to... To get it to, well, to it's like a like. purification process. I mean, we're yeah. never going to be perfect on Earth here. Yep. But it's a it's an effort to try to continually work towards yep. perfection. Well, I'm going to stick with the whole blacksmithing yeah. imagery too, if I can. Like, because because when you heat up metal like that, yeah, you do the exact same thing. You'll uh, you'll heat it up until it's like you know bright red or hot orange or whatever. And then when you'll notice when a blacksmith hits it, little flakes and stuff will fall off of that metal. That's actually like kind of the garbage you know coating that's kind of been on the outside of that right. metal falling off. It's yeah. literally purifying the metal. Uh, and and then the second half of the analogy will be. Our, our second term here, perseverance, is when you do that to metal, when you tamper metal like that, uh, it actually, you can make it significantly stronger so it'll stand a test of time, right? Instead of just right. being in the raw shape that it's in. So yeah, that's sanctification. Yeah. It's God cleaning you up yeah. after your salvation. So you're, you're saved, right. and, and from that moment, if you were to die in that moment, God's got you. Right. Uh, 
if you didn't die in that moment, now you have a lifetime of like, okay, starting to look more like Christ. Some people's sanctification goes really quick, and, and you'll see people you know start to clean up their act a lot really fast, and God seems to be working on those people in... I don't know how to say it. I mean, I guess in a much yeah. faster sense. Uh, and then other people, you kind of look at them like, you've been a Christian yeah. for a long Someone time. Someone like Derek, but... <laughs> it's a process. <laughs> yeah, but... somebody like me. That's a perfect example for the other person. Like, I've been so. saved for a while, but uh, you know, sanctification for me has just yeah. been really slow. Like, you know, I've, I've had a, a tendency to hold on to a lot of um, just kind of, you know, fleshly things like my frustrations and my annoyances with, you know, stupid things. So, And that's one thing we need to understand that as Christians, like, there should be a change in our life. Mm-hmm. We should lead lives differently after deciding to follow Christ and, yep. and, and becoming saved than we were before. You know, yep. one of my favorite verses, and I don't know if it's on our outline today, but that's 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that when you are in Christ, you're a new creation, the old has gone away. It's like that that's purification right. has fallen right. away. And that starts at regeneration, which is a fancy word of saying when... Yeah, that's when God saves you. When, when God when saves you, that's when your sanctification starts and that whole process of changing your ways. Yep. Not maybe cussing like you used to, maybe dressing differently, you know, yeah. however. Well, and one of the things that's that's worth pointing out here too is this is a, 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 a stark point of like of difference between right. us as Christians and possibly every other faith in existence. Um, almost, if I'm not mistaken, every faith other than Christianity is a works-based salvation in one way or another. Sure. Even even uh, sort of just universalism that I've you know heard and talked to people about. Like they, I asked them, well, what happens after death? And they're like, well, you know, kind of based on how you were here, you know, if you were good and nice to people, you kind of went to a place that it's just kind of good. It's just a good spirit, and right. and it's just happy things, or you know, whatever. And then, oh, but if you were bad, like Hitler, you know, you you turn into bad energy, and and that's what happens after after you die. You, you kind of become an influencer of bad things via energy and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, that's super spiritual and weird. But even in that, as nonsense as it is, there's a works-based system right. that if you're good, then you get to become good energy, whether you have consciousness or not, right? That, that becomes yeah. good energy, and then there's bad. Well, that becomes bad energy. And of course, I got into a person I was talking to. I got in this big precept thing. I'm like, well, then how do you determine what's good or bad? Right. By what <laughs> right. standard? You know, I just broke that yeah. down. But uh, so all, all systems outside of Christianity whether you want to call them religions or belief systems or whatever, uh, are works-based. Right. And so sanctification, talking about sanctification right. is really important because it sets Christianity aside and, and really uh, details or, or brings into view, this is not a, a works-based system. All of your good behavior, all of the you becoming a better person happens after salvation. Right. So doing all those things isn't what gets you right. through the door. And it's, not, and it's not something that we're doing to continually earn our salvation either. Right. It's because at that moment when God saves us, we're no longer ruled by sin. That's right. It doesn't have dominion over us so that we are now able to make better choices and decisions. That's right. Well, so that's so. Romans chapter 6, verse 18. It says, And having been set free from sin... Uh, have become slaves of righteousness. Right. Right. So we were at one point in time slaves to sin. Now that's the term that the Bible uses yeah. that we were slaves right. to sin. And now, because of Christ's work on the cross and dying for us and, and being resurrected and that regeneration, justification yeah. that happens, we're set free from that. We no longer have the chains or bondage of, of sin on us. We can now be. Which is right. interesting here. It says we're now slaves to righteousness. Right. So, right. at one point, you're, you're never really free in the sense that yeah. uh, that you get to just 
be utterly autonomous. And the Bible right. never makes mention of that. It's a blatant heresy that, unfortunately, you know, even Christians have bought into. Sure. But it says here that you're no longer a slave to sin, yeah. but you're a slave to righteousness. Right. And um, First John. Moving on to First John. Yeah, I, first I had John. something, and then it lost. I lost it. First John one eight says, "If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us." Yep. So you're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to sin. Yep. But the point is that it doesn't rule over you like before. It's not this heavy burden that yep. you had before. So. Yep. Well, I mean, I like I love the First John one eight verse that you just used because it actually uh, shed some serious light on another verse in First John oh, yeah. that a lot of people have used to uh, literally try to make the point that after becoming a Christian, you actually don't sin anymore. Right. It's like, okay, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but where they get it from, they'll jump to 1 John 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 9. It says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For, God, uh, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep sinning because he has been born of God. Now, I just want to make a quick point. That's the ESV translation. So I'm going to make a shameless plug to the ESV and why I think it's better than most translations. Because any other translation uh, takes that verse and says, any, no one born of God keeps sinning, or no one born of God sins. Like, it has this really strange, uh, yeah, if you it's can. It's like a disconnect, almost. A little bit. Like, if we can, let me just look this up in a couple different uh, translations here. First John 3, 9. I'm typing, folks. And this Bear is a great me. thing to do at home, too. Like, pull up these outlines, oh, yeah. look at these verses, and look at different versions. You might understand it differently. There might be a different word in one version that helps you understand that verse better. For sure. I mean, there's dozens of translations. and So let's see here. Um, let's go old New King James. Like, that's a, a pretty, sure. you know, respected translation. It says, whoever is born of God does not commit sin. It's like, okay. um, What? If you're born of God, it really you makes don't you question commit. your salvation. Yeah, then you kind of go, well, I I know that I clearly still sin. Some people don't. Some yeah. people don't ask that. Some people go, oh no, yeah, that's right, I don't sin anymore. Yeah. Like, wow, you kind of sorry, honey. Yeah, I, you, you totally sorry you're upset at me, one. but I never sin now. I'm saved. So. I know, right? <laughs> uh, let's see. NASB, the New American Standard Bible says, no one uh, who is born of God practices sin. So th right. they're the, one of the other ones that with the ESV puts this word in there. Uh, practice, and you can see the the word practice in right. the original translation too. There's a word that literally right. means, and I'm no scholar, but there's a Greek word in there that literally means practice. For and sure. For some reason, so many of these other translations take the word out. Yeah. So, um, anyway, saying so, this is no one so born of God yeah. makes a practice of sinning. Why I say say that First John one eight is really important because if you'd read the Bible in context, right. you'd see that if it says, "If we say you have no sin, you deceive yourselves." Okay, put that first, and then go on to 3.9, no one born of God makes a pra practice of sinning. Right. So it's not saying that you don't have sin. Right. It's, it's simply saying that you don't practice it in this sense, meaning that if you, uh, if you have a sin that you kind of habitually go back to on purpose, right. like you're practicing it, you're yeah. actively re-engaging this sin, you're not trying to kill it, you're not trying to put it to death, you're not trying to get away from it, you're not trying to turn from right. it, you're not trying to repent from it, and I could go on and on. If you're not doing those, you're practicing it. Right. That act uh, here is one of the things that God uses as a qualifier to kind of, sure. as evidence to say, right. you're not born. If you're struggling murder. with lust and you're not doing anything to keep from right. being in lustful situations or turning your head when somebody promiscuous walks by, like right. you're you're just giving into it. Right. And, and the Bible's saying, look, if you're... A, 
a Christian and if you're a disciple of Christ, you're going to want to live your life differently. Mm-hmm. You're never going to stop sinning. Like, I'm going to be a sinner till the day I die. Right. But the point is that it should become less frequent. Yeah. And the things I struggled with before, I should start to overcome. Yep. The Bible says we're overcomers in Christ. If you look at 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. There's a change happening into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is in the Spirit. That's right. So, That's right. It's, it's big stuff. It really is big stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm looking over these verses right now. That's kind of why I just did my big sigh. I'm just looking at them kind of going, man, because like I feel the weight of I know I'm always going to sin. Right. I also feel probably, a, a, I don't want to say it's a sinful weight, but it's, it's definitely a weight from like from the enemy that he's putting on us to say that like, see, you still sin. You're not right. a God. You know, right. and that that's a lie from the devil, but it's right. a lie that is very palatable because you, you kind of go, yeah, I do sin. I do mess up. Gosh, I do have this thing that I kind of keep finding myself engaged in, or I keep finding myself, you know, committing, or I keep finding myself going back to. And then you feel like, man, maybe I'm not a Christian. Like, so again, right. I w- want to reiterate this whole bit, like right from the beginning, what I was talking about. All those other religions, if if you belong to one of them, then. I could say, then you could say, yeah, maybe you're not really, you know, the legit, you know, true thing, because you keep going back to this. Maybe you haven't actually been saved yet or something. No, Christianity says that you're saved first. God justifies you according to his own election and purpose and grace, and then you begin to get cleaned up. So if you find yourself like, oh, I'm still messing up, it's like, yeah, sanctifying, people being sanctified, do that. Yeah. They mess up. You're gonna mess up. Way to go! So, join the just join like the a club. dog returns to his vomit, you're <laughs> gonna make bit, a mistake. A little bit. That's right. That's so. right. Let's see here. So that is uh, sort of the process that is sanctification. At right. least that's how Dr. Grudem lays it out. Um, and those were uh, four verses. There it was uh, Romans six and one six eighteen, First John one eight, First John three nine, and Second Corinthians three eighteen. So go ahead and look those up yourselves. Check them in different translations. Lots of good stuff. Now, the next piece of this is what is God's role in it? Yes, he's the one that's kind of cleaning you up, but like, let's, let's yeah, flesh that out. Sanctification, we're both involved in that. God has a role, and you have a role. That's right, that's right. There are definitely, uh, it's, it's, it's twofold here. So let's unpack that a little bit. First Thessalonians 5.23, this is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he says, Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a verse uh, that actually incorporates both of our, our key topics here, right. sanctification and perseverance. Yep. So sanctification in that, let, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Okay, right. so who sanctifies you? God, God does. Yeah. God, God sanctifies you. You don't sanctify you. Your amazing self-control and, and hardcore, you know, white knuckle in it, doing the best you can, that, that's not the ultimate what sanctifies you. It says God himself sanctifies you completely. And here's the second part. This is where perseverance comes in. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. Right at the coming of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's, that's both of them. God is, not only is he doing the work to sanctify you, but then after that, he's keeping you. For sure. Spirit, soul, yeah. and body, keeping you. And, and, and that's the thing right there, is that sanctification, it's primarily God's role. And you see that in Hebrews 13, mm-hmm. 20, and 21. Now may the God of peace, same God, God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
Yep. God's not saying, hey, you need to be sanctified. Good luck. Yeah. He's saying, <laughs> hey, let's, get you, let's yeah. get you sanctified, and here's what you need. I'm going to give you the tools and resources that you need yep. to grow and, yep. and to follow me. I mean, that would be a total bummer. I mean, if, if it was just like, okay, I saved you. Right. Now, now get out. Like, like an 18, turn an 18 kind of a moment. Right. Like, okay, out the door you I've go. I've done all I can do. Yeah, like, no, he's not that at all. And this next verse actually really brings that home. So it's Philippians 1.6. And a lot of people have heard this verse. Uh, I, I love this verse for one reason, and I'm going to say it before I actually um, read the verse. The reason I love this verse is because it has everything uh, to do with me, and, and yet uh, I'm, I'm not in the verse like at all as a contributor. So it's, it's a verse that has everything to do with you and nothing to do with you at the exact same time. It says, I am sure of this. This is Paul writing to Philippi. Uh, it says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So he who began a good work in you, he's faithful uh, to bring it to completion. So it has everything to do with you because it's about you, right? The, the, the good work that's being done in you and it's going to be uh, complete at the day of Jesus Christ. That's all about you. But he's the one doing all of it. For sure. He who started the work, he began yep. it, right? He's the one that's going to bring it to completion. Yeah. So you didn't start your sanctification right. process, and you're not the one that brings it to completion. Right. God is. Absolutely. And, and he brings it to completion at the day of Christ. So that's uh, and just, that, yeah, it's one of those things that makes you just kind of go, oh, I can, right. I can step back Feel and that go, weight like, coming oh, off. wow, like, yeah. okay, this, this isn't all on me. This is, in one sense... It's all on God. God's the right. one doing it. God's with, got this. Yeah. That's why with that it. said, however, we do have our role in sanctification. And, and before we move into that, I just want to help everyone kind of understand the Trinity in all of this too. Is, oh, yeah. You know, of God, God picking you, God justifying you, right? Mm-hmm. Christ dying on the cross for you, saving you there. And then the Holy Spirit is how God works through you and sanctifies you. Yep. The Holy Spirit is is the one doing that work in you. Yeah, yeah, so, salvation so, is even triune. Yeah. It's really interesting. So. Yeah, if you have if you don't have the trinity, you don't even have the different elements of salvation that the Bible lays out. So all those folks that want to argue against the trinity are like, "Oh, there's no there's no trinity in the Bible." It's like, "Well, you have, just saw you, it. Yeah, you have three <laughs> distinct divine persons working out your salvation for you, from God electing you to Christ dying and saving you and being the propitiation for you to the Holy Spirit sealing you, like Ephesians says. Like, so those are three distinct uh, persons like working out salvation for you. And if, and if the Trinity is not a thing, then you've only got God like electing you, I guess, and then these other non-deity beings supposedly in charge of, of working it out for you. Like, I don't know if I want to put my faith and trust in something other than God for salvation. So that's, that's a great point. And our role for uh, sanctification and perseverance, that we do have a role. Even though I, we just went on this whole rant about, like, wait a minute, it's God that does everything. God starts... It doesn't mean you can just take your hands off yeah, the wheel yeah, and you're done. Yeah. You're All right, I'm good. No, there, there is a role here that, that is ours. And a little bit, this topic is a little bit like election because uh, while we don't have anything to do with God saving us, God is the one that, that saves us, uh, we do have this responsibility to, uh, to, to believe in Him, to call on His name for salvation, right? Like, so there is this strange tension there that a lot of people have, a, have an issue trying to uh, justify in their minds because it does look like it's such a tension. So let's look at some of these verses and hopefully flesh out that tension for God's role in sanctification and now our role. Romans 8, 13 says, "'For if you live according to the flesh, you will die.'" But if by the Spirit, if you live by the Spirit, uh, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So that, that verse sounds very much like this is something you are doing. 
It says, if you live by the flesh, you'll die. But if you live by the Spirit, uh, you put to death uh, all the deeds of the body. You'll live. Right. So those are, they sound like you things. Yeah, so there, there is something here in Scripture that's like, it's not just take your hand off the wheel. Like, right. Okay, Jesus, take the wheel. Like, right. No, you're going to crash. Don't do that. There is some, some you here. So let's keep going yeah. see what else we got. I mean, Dr. Grudem talks about how we have an active and a passive role. There you like, go. And we see that in Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Yep. That's, that's the verse right there that shows the tension, uh, that it's God completely doing it, yep. and somehow the way that he's doing it is through you. Right. It's like, whoa, wait a second. That's, that's kind of mind-blowing. It's like, you're, you're doing it, right. but it's only because God is doing it through you. But God's doing it through you, right? So, like, if, everyone gets upset because yeah. you and I are reformed, and so they think that we're just sitting there going, "Well, nobody has any free will. You don't have any yeah. free will." But this whole salvation and sanctification, like, you have a role in that. Yeah, there is and something going God on is here, working through yep. you. I just want to look at that verse. I mean, it was so good. I mean, you see that section in there. It says, uh, "You know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling." And then here's this sort of explanatory piece of the sentence: "For it is God who works in you, both to will." and to work for his good pleasure. So your will and your work, right. it's God doing it. Right. So when you're like, oh, I've got free will, it's like, well, this verse says that it's God in you willing. And, and the work that you're doing isn't to earn the salvation right. Or, right. or to keep it. It's, it's a reflection of the gift that God's given you and That's just right. continuing to work through that. Yep, and Hebrews 12, 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone uh, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So apparently this verse says that there is a holiness, a level of holiness, that without it, no one will see the Lord. Now, that can be a scary verse if you come across this and you are approaching it from the mindset of, I need to earn salvation, I need to clean myself up in order to get saved, then, then you have some, some reason to fear. But again, if we're saved first, sanctified second, then this verse is not something to fear. When it, when it says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord, you have to remember Philippians earlier, that he began a good work in you and he's going to bring it to completion. So that level of holiness, God is bringing about in you. If you're like, oh, I don't feel like I'm that holy. It's like, well, right. first off, God sees you as perfect, blameless, and holy now because of what Jesus did. <laughs> so right. that, there's that. So technically, you already got it. And two, Philippians says that he, he's bringing it about in you as you live out. So hold, hold on. Calm down. <laughs> right. And I mean, you're not the only one who struggles. Mark 9, 24 says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Yep. Like, I believe, help my unbelief. Boy, there's a there's a slogan. <laughs> I mean, if ever there was a biblical slogan like that's you know that you could apply to your life or really want to stick on a bumper sticker like that would be it. help like, my unbelief, Lord. I, I believe help my unbelief, and because I, I think I feel that every day, every day I I, I know I'm I, I'm in this season. I'm, I'm gonna rant here for a second. I'm at this sure. season in my life where I'm just like. I went through seasons where I was like, oh, does God really exist? You know, is he, is, is he real? Or, you know, are we just nuts? And are Christians kind of crazy? And, and so, I went, you know, and you've heard some of my story. Like, I went through my atheist phase when I was younger and yeah. trying, to, trying, to, trying to push it out of my mind. Never really worked. And God kind of just kept coming back and knocking on, you know, boom, boom, boom. Like, dude, I'm here. You can't get rid of me. And then I started getting 
really into presuppositional apologetics, and that's what did it. That put the the nail in the the last okay, nail in the coffin just of atheism. Pause, because someone's gonna Sorry. stop and look up. What apologetics you just said. is just an argument uh, for presupposition Christ- was the word. I know. I know. So there, well, let me break down apologetics first. Apologetics is is having a, a reasoned argument for what you believe, right? For your faith, for for uh, the thing that gives you hope, right? That's how Paul puts it. Um, presuppositions, uh, which is where the term presuppositional apologetics come from. Everybody has presuppositions. You have presuppositions. You you, you presuppose things throughout your entire life. You presuppose. Uh, shoot, now I can't even remember. Think of something that you actually presuppose. But like if you if you were to let go, you know, lift something up, let it go. You know it's going to fall, right? And so sure. that, those things kind of build in you sort of these presuppositions, right? I'm doing a terrible job of defining that word right now for some reason, but presuppositional apologetics is an, a, a way of fighting for the faith via uh, cutting it down to the, its bottom level, any argument. So like when I mentioned earlier, um, what, what was it that I mentioned earlier about something? Uh, 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 shoot, I just totally blanked it on according to what standard? Do you remember that? I don't even remember if that was part of this podcast. I don't, that was prior I don't to the podcast. That was probably like way earlier. Anyway, uh, if, if somebody comes up to you and says that like, oh, I think that murder is bad. You just go, why? Well, because that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's rude. It's like, well, why, what, what's wrong with it being rude? Well, I mean, it's not this rude. It's, it's terrible. I mean, you're, you're taking somebody's life. What's wrong with that? That was on this podcast. Yeah. And we were talking about universalism. Oh, yeah, like the universalism thing. It's like, it's like okay, well, what's, what's, what makes bad bad? You know, you say, oh, if, if you're bad, then you're going to uh, you know, become bad energy. Right. Well, how, who defines what bad is according to what standard? That uh, sort of thinking, that rationale thinking, that's presupp... You're cutting people down to their presuppositions. Like, what makes you think that murder is bad? Why do you presuppose that that is a right. bad thing versus a good thing? Why don't you just say, oh, no, actually, I think murder is a good thing. Right. right? Those are presuppositions. So, And it was in doing a lot of research on presuppositional apologetics where I was just like, wow, there you actually can't define good and bad. You cannot define any sort of moral anything without something outside of yourself defining it for you. Because if it's literally just up to you to define what is good and what's bad, and everybody has their own version of that, then then you can't hold anyone accountable for anything that they do, good or bad, because to them, they might think it's good. Somebody could walk in this room right now and say, you know what, I hold my value system is I think murdering is good. Ready? And then shoot both of us. Right. And we should, if we're consistent in that belief, should have no complaint. None at all. Because what he did was right in his mind. Right. And if I didn't like it, so what? Yeah. Right? And then somebody else could come in and say, oh, I think that's terrible. And somebody else come in, oh, I think it's funny. Somebody else right. comes in, oh, I think it's horrible and awful. N- none of them can reconcile amongst themselves because there's nothing outside of themselves dictating what is right and what is wrong. And the Bible gives us that. God is the, the ultimate arbiter, right? He's the right. one who says, no, murder is wrong. Why? Because right. it doesn't reflect who I am. I'm not a murderer. Yeah. And we're supposed to be in his image. And so when we do things like murder, we're, we're telling the world, see, this is what God is like, and that's wrong. That's, so there's why, at a core right. presuppositional level, why it's wrong. The more that I studied presuppositional apologetics, and forgive that giant rant, the more that I studied it, the more I realized, uh-oh, there is no possible, uh, no other possible means of anything except for God. God made right. this. This is God's world. God created it. There's, there's no way around any sort of moral dilemma unless you appeal to God. So God has right. to exist if morals exist, and morals do exist. Right. Um, so, so the more I kind of started getting into that, I'm like, oh, oh no, I don't have a, a way out anymore. Right. Like, there's no possible, like, oh, right. I could just abandon my faith. 
it yeah. can't it can't happen. Now, now, if I was to abandon my faith, right, right. it would be out of pure rebellion to it. For him. sure. Like, I hate, I hate you. I don't want right. to be part of this, right? That, that would be yeah. my only other option. Obviously, yeah. I don't hate him. But. And, and I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen to people, you know? Yep. And, and, that's, and that's what our listeners need to understand, too, is, is this question of, can I lose my salvation? Or yeah. how do I know if I'm saved? Like, mm-hmm. there have been seasons in your life where you've backslidden or you've fought against following Christ, right? You talked about going through an atheist phase. Yep. And, you know, there, there, are times, there are times in my life, too, like I was... You know, let's say I got saved at five or whatever, made that decision at five. Like, but when I turned eighteen and moved out, there was a time in my life where I wasn't following Christ, I wasn't serving Him. Like, yeah. But you come back to that, so yeah. You know, if 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 you're sitting there at home and you're questioning, well, am I saved? Like, if God is drawing you to Him, you're saved. Yeah. You know, and the Bible says in John ten twenty eight two things that are vital to this point. That one, Jesus says, they'll never snatch you out of my hand. Yep. So if God's giving you eternal life, nobody can take that away from you. Two, that you will not perish. And so if God's saved you and giving you that gift of eternal life, you're not going to lose it. It's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. It would take that pure form of a rebellion where you go, I'm done, I'm out. Yep. And if you're going to do that, then you were never really saved in the first place then, right? So That's right, that's right. So yeah, these verses, they're definitely core verses to uh, to understanding your salvation because if you kind of ignore a lot of these well, presuppositions, like I was talking about, right. like some of these base verses that talk about uh, that Jesus will never let you go, and verses that we, we dealt with just a little bit ago, like if you don't have this level of holiness, you're not going to see the Lord. Well, how does that work? And then at the same time, Philippians, right. God's going to be the one that begins the work in you. It's not you. He's also the one that finishes right. it. Like all of these seem like just tons of verses that like, oh, I'm never going to be able to remember all these. And that's fine. Relax. Calm down. Just read your Bible occasionally or, or, or you know, frequently, and, and you'll be able to uh, over time, pick these up, right? And and I didn't have all these verses memorized in the first year. Right, like, they were just verses that I still don't that, have all of these yeah. memorized. Well, I mean, I can recall a lot of them now. Like, oh yeah, I know in Philippians yeah. it says this. I might not have an exact reference, but I can say that yeah, in Philippians it says you know that God's the one that started it. He's going to finish it. Cool. Thank God, God for Google. It. Google, yeah, thank God I can, for Google. Too. I know part of the verse <laughs> exactly. And so when when you have uh, some of these foundational verses, it really does help uh, boost your faith up. And so. In some sense, I'm, I'm I'm a little ashamed that 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 last nail in the coffin uh, for for my faith wasn't just strictly verses, um, and 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 it was presuppositional apologetics. But I will say that I think that in those presupp apologetics, what really got me was the appeal to to the verses right. that that proved whatever the apologetic was. Like like here here this says right here that God is you know blah, 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 and then it lists something out, and I kind of go, oh wow, I see how you've taken that verse and and explained it via this apologetic and now that's the la- those are the last nails right so right and there's so much just I, I just want to go on a rant too like there's just an order to scripture you can see like we talked about with the Trinity how it all builds on each other mm-hmm. and so the more that you study this the more you read through this you can see holes and problems with other theories other religions when they say well no yeah. you've got to work so hard to get here well yeah you'll have eternal life but it's gonna be over here instead of over here with God like you start saying wait that doesn't really align with right. what I'm reading through scripture yep and that's why it's important to meditate on these things regularly yep so all of that rant <laughs> came from I believe, help my unbelief. And that's that's really it, is because I've I've had moments where I'm just like, man, do I really believe in this? Right. Or or am I crazy? And then Presup hit me and I was like, Nope. I definitely know that you're real. I definitely know that God exists. I definitely know that the Bible is true. At this point in time, anything that's left, all I can do is go, God, I believe. 
help my unbelief. Help the areas where I have not believed that you're going to show up, not believe that you're going to take care of me, not believe that you're going to be enough, right? Whatever those things are. So, and with that, with that, you have the last section here that Dr. Gruden puts in, and it's the promise of the Spirit. And why this is a big deal is because if, you, if you're working so hard, which again, it's God that's working in you, so it's not so much you, but it is. If, if you work so hard at this sanctification throughout your entire life, and you, you, you try to be more Christ-like, and you try to put to death all of these sins, and you try to be more like Jesus, what's to stop in the last 10 minutes of your life you just having a terrible day and renouncing all of it and saying, forget it, I'm done, you know, forget, forget Jesus or whatever, right, right, right? What, what's to, what's to stop that from happening? And so Dr. Gordon puts in this Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, and here's the key part, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. That right there, if ever there was a verse in Scripture, there's plenty of them. I mean, a lot of people like some of the, you know, there's no more condemnation verse. You know, a lot of people love some of those verses. To me, this verse is one of the most comforting, securing uh kind of wrap you up in a warm blanket kind of verses right. where he says, you know, you heard the word of truth, which you know, is, is the gospel of your salvation. He explains it right in the verse. You heard the word of truth, gospel of your salvation, and you believed. And in that moment, in that moment, not in the moment that you got all cleaned up, right. not in the moment that you finally got all sanctified and put that stuff to death, not in the moment that you stopped watching this and that on your computer. Not in the moment when you stopped talking to him or her. Not in the moment when you broke off that extramarital relationship. Not in the moment when you stopped cussing. Not in the moment when you finally got your diet under control because you're a gluttonous sinner. Not, I mean, not, hey, I'm not, sitting right here. <laughs> not in any of those moments. In the moment that you believed, it said, you're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance. Well, what's your inheritance? Glory. God, right? God is the like you're going to inherit eternal life and be in the presence of God forever. That's the inheritance. Says He's the guarantee of your inheritance until you acquire possession of it. There's no more. Yeah, there's no more definitive verse ever that like objectively and blatantly puts it like once you've believed in Christ because of the gospel, you you're sealed forever in Christ. Until you acquire possession of the inheritance that you're guaranteed. Yeah. Well, how do you? Or how can anybody argue? Oh, you could lose your salvation if you just walked away and stopped believing. Right. That verse smacks that person in the face like the Batman Robin meme. Like, poof, no. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Ephesians 1, 13, 14. Puh. Like, th- there's no more blatantly obvious right. argument against the idea of being able to lose your salvation. Right. So I'm, I'm sorry I'm ranting about this a little bit, but I've got relatives that think that you can lose what Jesus yeah. freely gave you. And I'm kind of going, and at first I heard some of the arguments because they would anecdotally appeal to some of these, like, well, I know so-and-so, and he was a Christian, and he really loved Jesus, and now he's not. Now he renounces Jesus, says he doesn't believe in him at all. And so I have to look at those situations and go, well, did he totally break Ephesians 1, 13, right. 14? Like, did he, did he find the, the way to get yeah. out of the seal? And I and no, you have to appeal to some of these other verses that talk about. It's like, like there's another one right in First John. So we referenced First John a little earlier about going on sinning, and nobody right. does that if you're in God. Right. Well, there's another verse right there in First John that says uh, that there were these those among them 
that were that looked like Christians, and then right. it said, and then they departed, right? And they departed Absolutely. so that you would know that right. they were not actually of us. Right. Had they been of us, they wouldn't have left. But they departed so that they could make it clear to you that they were never actually of us. And, and that and, was how it words it. And that's the whole point. It's not for you to sit in fear and question your salvation each and every day that you're alive. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're gonna you're gonna gracious. sin up until the end. Like it's just going to happen. I'll probably be on my deathbed and I'll say mm-hmm. something stupid. But the point is, is that those who don't believe are going to fall away. Yeah. Okay. My sister and I were both raised in Christian homes. Okay. We both claim to be Christians at a young age and, and followers of Christ. Her and I are living completely different lives right now. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not going to sit here and say she's not saved, but I am telling you that even though there have been times where I backslidden or, or haven't really been following Jesus with a hundred percent, I'm serving Him today. Right. Now that might come one day for my sister too. But the whole point is not these scriptures are not to scare you. Right. It's to say that those who aren't really saved. They're going to fall away. They're going to depart. They're going to say, screw you, Lord. I'm out of here. Yeah. So, but you don't need to worry about that, and you don't need to live in fear. Well, I mean, how many times have you changed your mind on things that you thought you had kind of nailed down? Right. Like, like, I I do that every day with dinner. Like, oh, I want this for dinner. And then five minutes before dinner, eh, maybe not. You know, or or I, I do go ahead and have that thing for dinner, and then the next morning, because I had a bad slice of pizza the night before or whatever, now all of a sudden I'm in a totally different mood, and I want this or that or whatever. Like, things as silly as food change your behavior, right? So who's to say that one day you're not just going to wake up and be like, yeah, I really just don't want to do this Christianity thing anymore. Right. Like, when that looms over your head, I swear the devil put this kind of an idea of losing your salvation into the heads of of people. For as, sure. And, 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 and most dangerously, the heads of... Some preachers, because some preachers, and I mean, there's there's whole denominations that have this built into their faith statement that you can lose or walk away from your salvation. And I swear that it's the devil behind things like that, because what better way to keep a whole group of people in stuck in absolute right. fear, bondage, and slavery uh, to making sure they're, they're keeping their butt in a seat, to making sure that they're doing the right things on Sundays, they're volunteering enough, they're giving their money enough. They're, then, you know, well, a better way to get them to do all that than to put it in them like, hey, you know, you could lose that big, awesome right. gift of salvation if you're not careful. Yeah. What kind of demonous treachery is that to be able to preach that from a pulpit when the Bible clearly says right here that the Holy Spirit is your guarantee of an inheritance? Yeah. And you want to go, well, if you don't tie that enough... Right. Punch that dude in the and, face. And what kind of leader is that or, or ministry is that that's going to hold that over someone's head like Seriously, that? Seriously, it's like, done, If you though. don't give me your wallet, then you're, you're going to go to hell. I've sat in those pews. Yeah. And so, I mean... Yeah, I've sat I, in I'd those pews. I hate to be that guy on Judgment Day because I don't want someone given... If I was a pastor, given to my church out of obligation oh, or, fear, or fear, I want them to give because they want to give. Yeah, or anything know? else. Just They, they want to hang or out serve with because they the want to serve. They want to serve, yeah. Well, I got to paint your house or I might go to hell. No, yeah. like, I'm going to lose my salvation. I want to help you because you're my friend and we're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's right. Let's paint your house together. Well, I mean, right back to the, what we said right at the very beginning Christianity stands out apart from every other faith system in the world because of, as C.S. Lewis put it, grace. And that's what makes it so hard for the world to understand. Yeah, they don't get Christianity people. because you can't well, you earn could, it. I couldn't just, you, you can't, can't just give me it. grace. Like, that doesn't make sense. That's like, exactly <laughs> what it means. That's exactly it. I mean, and that's why people didn't, it's why people didn't get it 2,000 years ago when Jesus brought the message. It's why people didn't aren't getting it today. Because it's grace. It's grace alone. You can't earn it. And because you can't earn it, that that brings to light the famous question that was asked in, in light of, you know, can I lose my salvation? How do you unearn what you didn't earn? Right. Just you can't unearn that. You already don't deserve right. it. 
Just because we have a role in our sanctification doesn't mean I we know. had a role in earning it. Like, I know. Well, it just drives me nuts, though. Dead bodies don't reach out for help. So. Right. I mean, we, the sanctification piece, like, we, we clearly the Bible says that we've got a part to play in it, and it's a part that uh, I think it was our pastor that one time said that uh, it's, it's a little like a glove. Right, sure. like God is is the hand in a sense inside the glove, and you're you're the glove. Now the glove is the thing that's doing the work, like it's doing some yeah. work. But really, that glove isn't doing anything without the hand that's in it, right? Yeah. And that's a little bit like this Philippians verse that it's God that is in you, both to will right. and to work. For sure. So yeah, you're doing right. it. The only reason you're doing it is because God's doing it through you, though, right? And that's sanctification. But perseverance, perseverance is all God. Right. I mean, God is, he, he's the one that is going to bring it to completion. The Holy Spirit has sealed you until you get the inheritance that you've been guaranteed. Like, that, that's, all, that's all God. And that's a, a great thing, too, because if it were up to me, this is Spurgeon, if it were up to me, I never would have been saved in the first place. Right? I'd, I'd, I'd easily wreck it all every single day, lose my right. salvation over and over and over and over again, multiple times a day. I'd lose it. Right. And, and that's how could you not like oh yeah I mean that's 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 the beauty of that that phrase though it's like how do you unearn what you didn't earn For if sure. I didn't earn my salvation then what, what could I possibly do for God to be like oh you know what you you're not saved anymore you I can't believe you just did that you know salvation revoked like right I, I almost said bro because I'm but I don't want to say bro because I'm talking back to well, God in this and, analogy but yeah it's like bro I didn't have. I didn't earn it to begin with. Right. What are you going to take it away for? And and I just want to, along those lines, you know, I had a pastor once who told me that the only way you could lose your salvation was suicide, because oh if the God. Holy Spirit's living in you and you kill yourself, then that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit because you're you're taking. You I've know. heard the same thing. And, and 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 that's why I bring it up because I know a lot of people have, and so yeah. I I just want to take that moment to go. That's not scriptural. That's not like, scripture. Like not and scripture. that's why you have to study these for yourself. That's yeah. why you have to understand. Yep. You know. Already at 11 years old, I'm having to explain to my daughter the difference between biblical Christianity and other religions that claim to be Christian because when everything has the same sticker, the same label or whatever on it, it's deceiving. And so you go, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to blah, blah, blah church. Well, no, it's not. Yeah, Yeah, I've heard the same thing about suicide too. Uh, I was was told early on that, that the reason you couldn't be saved if you committed suicide, even if you were a Christian, you'd lose your salvation, right? Uh, or why suicide was that one sort of unforgivable right. sin or whatever. Like, the reason behind it that I heard, which I can know now is obviously garbage reasoning, but they said uh, the act of suicide itself is sinful because you're murdering, right? right? right. But because it's the last thing that you can do, you, you, can't n- you now me. never have an opportunity yeah. to ask for forgiveness. And so therefore you're locked in this, oh no, I sinned. But that's, that's as, that, that reasoning is as dumb as saying, if smoking is the sin, right. then what happens if you smoke a cigarette and then get hit by a car right then? Right. You didn't have a chance to ask for forgiveness for smoking that cigarette. And, like, the, and that's how, the stupidest thing it's I've ever along heard. the lines of Catholicism and yeah. last rites and having the priest come sit by your bedside so you can confess one last time. One last sin. The only person I need to confess to is Jesus Christ. Right. Not to Mary, not to her priest, not to you. Yep. Well, and newsflash, Jesus died for all your sins 2,000 right? years ago, long before if you asked for If he saved me before I was even born, but on my deathbed, if I don't say, like, ask for, sorry, I shot my head off because I was depressed and living in sin. Yeah. 
I know. It's I'm going to flip this table. It's, it's a touchy topic because you don't want to, you certainly don't want to, if, if somebody listening to this was considering suicide, you certainly right. don't want to, to put sort of a padded cushion on it. Like, you know what? Oh, it's okay. Just it's go okay. Ahead. No. Because Jesus loves you and you'll probably just go to heaven anyway. Like, I'm bringing that, it up for the Christian who's listening to this, who's crying who, or who has cried because their yeah. brother or their sister or their uncle yeah. Yeah. took his life. Yeah. And now they're sitting here going, well, he's in hell. He's in and hell. That's not true. And they've wasted yeah, tears true. on that lie. Martin Luther and is, you know, Martin Luther has got some, he's got some great theology. He's got some funny theology. It's Martin Luther. Take it for what it is. He was right there at the, the you know, started the Reformation, basically. There were some couple guys before him that were kind of building it up. But he, he's the guy that everybody looks to for the Reformation. Uh, there's a story that, that uh, there was a young kid that hung himself, uh, that was under his care, that was kind of, you know, under his, the umbrella of his flock or whatever, and that uh, killed himself, and the church denied him burial in the church burial ground, because that was what they said. They're like, nope, he killed himself, he's, he's damned, because he's a suicide. And so they would not permit his body to be buried in the church burial ground. Right. And uh, Martin Luther took him back there anyway against the church wishes by himself, dug the grave himself, and and buried him on the church grounds. He said, just because, and I think the way that he put it was that uh, just because some evil spirit sort of overtook his mind and caused him to do something like this doesn't mean, you know, that that he's somehow not saved or didn't have salvation or something like that. Like, so Martin Luther, I think he kind of got it, so. In, In no ways are we trying to tell you that, you know, Taking your own life is okay, right. or taking someone's life is okay. That's not the way out, you know. Definitely the, not. It's, we all are going to struggle with things throughout this life, mm-hmm. and that's why the the scripture verse of making a practice of sinning is so important. Yeah. Is, is that yeah, it's a continual process of a practice. But yeah, um, that's good stuff. So I think we've kind of touched on some of these questions. Is you know how is sanctification different from justification, and it's it's sequential, right? Because justification comes before it. For sure. Justification is something that yep. happens uh, apart from any of your works. And just reminding our listeners, justification is... Justification is when Jesus, uh, because of his death on the cross, because of his propitiation for you, because of his paying for your sins... Death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. uh, In a legal sense, God looks down at you and sees that your punishment was actually applied to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so now you are justified, meaning you're you're guilt-free, you are punishment-free because Jesus already took all the punishment for you. You're now right. justified before the eyes of God, like being justified before the eyes of the law. You're, you're no longer guilty. You're no longer wanted. You're no longer uh, under the, the weight of, of your mistakes, your crimes, your sins. Sure. Jesus took the punishment. You're justified. Yep. You didn't have any input in that except for the crimes you committed, the sins yep. that you committed. Uh, you, you've got nothing that earned you Jesus dying for you. You've got nothing that... Uh, merits, you know, Jesus saying, oh yeah, I want to die for this guy because, you know, he, yeah. he's asked me to, or he's he prayed a sinner's prayer because he goes to church every Sunday because he gives a lot into the offering plate. Like, you, nothing contributes to that. You don't contribute right. anything. It's all Jesus. Sanctification is from that moment forward, right. n- now God is starting to clean you up. And, and you, you have a role yeah, in this one. You have a role. God is wearing you a little bit like a glove, according to a yeah. Philippians, right? It's God that's in you, both to will and to work, but you're you're the one doing it. So every all the moments that you feel like, you know what, I, I'm not going to do that because I know it's sinful, that's a moment that God is in you, willing and working and to, to clean you up a little bit. And over a lifetime, uh, you, you begin to see it. So if, you were, if you've been a Christian for 10 years, you can probably look back at 10 year ago right. you and go, yeah, I'm a lot more cleaned up than I was 10 years ago. Maybe for it's sure. only a month. Maybe you've been a Christian a month. You can look back. Hopefully, in this last month, you can go, 
yep, I'm just a tiny bit, a month's worth better than I was last month. Right. God is starting to work and, and will inside of you. So that's the difference between sanctification and justification. We talked a little bit about some of the different viewpoints of sanctification. Sure. Some people think that uh, it's, it's all God, and I don't have to do anything. I'll just right. sit back and do nothing. It's like, obviously, that's ridiculous. Uh, Paul said that was ridiculous. There's and, a fine line between yeah. you have to do all the works yeah. and you have to do none of the works. Yeah, so, so those are the basic <laughs> different positions. Like, it's like either it's all you, it's not you at all, or there's this combined mixture. And that's the, that's the, the view that Paul had uh, according uh, to Scripture. So let's see here. Can Jesus be our Savior, but not yet our Lord? I love that question. Boy, I'm, look at my time here. <laughs> I don't know if we've got time to answer this. Well, We're going to try it. We're going to try it real fast, real fast. It, Go ahead. It, for me, it's like the glove analogy. You know, you, we talked about the scripture verse earlier about being slaves to righteousness. You know, a lot of people like to sit here and go, well, I'm not a slave. To, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a slave to God. Well, you're a slave to something. Maybe you're a slave to money, slave to greed. You know, That's show right. me your bank statement. I'll show you what's important to you, what That's you right. value. You, you, know, you might be a slave to lust. Like, we're all going to have a master. Yep. The Bible says we can't have two of them. That's right. So who is it? That's right. That's right. So yeah, I'll, I'll chime in. Can he be your Savior and not yet your Lord? I think where this comes from is, is people want the get-out-of-jail-free card. They want the fire insurance yep. that Jesus offers. Fire insurance, get it? <laughs> fire insurance. Boom. They, they want the fire insurance. But but they they don't want to be friends with the fire chief, so to speak. Like they just yeah. they just want the benefits of, of that Jesus offers, but they don't want Jesus. I don't want to pay my premiums. I just want the just want the insurance. Yeah, yeah. It's like I mean, there's so many analogies. I've got like so many going through my mind. Like don't use that one. Don't use that one. But no, that, it's like that's, that's, that's a, <laughs> it's like trying to explain the Trinity. None of it's good. <laughs> None of it's good. I know, but. The, the, the basics of it is that like Jesus offers all these great benefits. He offers salvation. He offers eternal life. He offers a, a life lived for him that even while it may be bad for you here on this earth, on the other side, it says that all of those, those bad, awful things won't even pale in comparison to how great it'll be, right? So that was how Paul put it. He's like, look, everything that happens here, it's like nothing compared to how awesome you know, eternity is going to be with Christ. Absolutely. Now, people want all that benefit, but they don't want that last part of the sentence. They don't want Christ. They don't want Jesus. They don't want the, the one who has created it. They just want it for themselves, right? Yeah. And, and, and so that's a little bit of starts to answer the question, can he be Savior and not Lord? And I'm going to say no. Nope. Jesus has to be the one that you submit your life to because Absolutely. you love Jesus, yes. not because you love eternal life, because yeah. you love... the heaven. If it was all about eternal life, you're not really saved. You're yeah. going to fall away. Yeah, that's not it's it. It's got to be about Christ. It's, it's all it's, about it's Jesus. Definitely got to be about Jesus. So you can't serve two masters. And sometimes the master in that situation would be your own comfort or your own mm -hmm. desires and passions of, oh, I want heaven. That sounds amazing. It's like, well, of course. No, if, if faced with heaven and, and fiery hell, of course, I mean, who, who's going to be like, oh yeah, hell sounds great. I mean, there are some crazies out there, but I, even those guys think that hell's going to be some big party, you know, we're hanging out with all my bad, evil friends or whatever. It's like, no, that's, that's not it. So faced with the reality of what they really are, obviously everybody would pick heaven, but that's not, that's not what Jesus is asking. He's not saying, hey, do you want this? This is awesome. You want that? Yeah, cool. No, he's saying, do you want me? Right. You want me? Yeah. The creator of everything. And so that's, uh, let that hopefully be a little bit of food for thought. I don't want to end the episode on such a downer like oh are you am i saved gosh i really want to go to heaven does that mean i'm not saved because i just want heaven like yeah. no it's just an examine your heart kind of a thing like is, do you want heaven or do you want jesus absolutely because jesus is paradise like that yeah. that's that's what makes heaven so great is because he's there yeah. that's it or, 
we're, we're 16 weeks into this, you know, and, and the answer is not suicide. You know, the answer is not money. The answer is Jesus. It's that's all right. about Jesus. And if you that's haven't right. seen that by now, that's the truth. That's right. And so, I mean, if you're struggling, if you're searching and seeking him, talk to us. We want to help you. You know, if, if you're struggling, like, I don't want you to think that there's, you know, yeah. I don't want you searching for a way out or searching for an answer that isn't him because right. it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's a, good, it's a good spot to end it. It's all about Jesus. We'll be back in just a minute, everybody. Looking for a new t-shirt? Look no more. Head over to TheologyAttire.com. That's TheologyAttire.com. A brand company started by three friends with a mission to create jobs for evangelical missionaries and to be a blessing to local church plants. So whether you want a shirt with a catchy phrase like make Christianity great again, or you just want a shirt with your favorite theologian's face on it, Theology Attire is what you're looking for. And if you're listening to this right now, you are in luck. When you check out at TheologyAttire.com, put in the promo code HEARYEKINGS, the promo code Hear ye kings, all one word, and get 20% off your entire order only at theologyattire.com. It's theology on a t shirt. Woo! So. Man, I can breathe now. I just hit it so fast, dude. That was crazy. Now what, Derek? The thing that makes Christianity different is it's authentic, it's the truth. What makes U.S. currency valuable? It's authentic. That's it's right. different than the play money you get at the dollar store or the monopoly money that. Goes Wait, up in the what? air when you flip the I table. I can't use that. <laughs> so, my kids are going to be furious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next week we're going to be looking at what is death. Oh, we boy. talked today about eternal life. Next That's week not heavy at all, <laughs> right? Jeez, if, if you don't come into next Monday buckled up, ready to go, <laughs> I don't know how to help you. Yeah. Can a person be saved after death? Mm. Oh boy. That's an interesting twist on yeah. what we talked about today. Can somebody come back from the dead? Mm. I know someone who did. I know someone who did. You know him? (laughs) Good stuff. So I hope you'll join us next week. Make sure you subscribe to our weekly podcast, or at least have your friends subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever epic Christian podcasts are found. Of course, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Josiah D. Walker. My co-host here is at Derek underscore Earl. And both of us together are at Hear Ye Kings. Good stuff. Good stuff. And thanks, everybody, as always, for joining us. We really appreciate you guys. And uh, it's been fun walking through these uh, 20 weeks with you. Hang in there for the rest of them. And we've got a couple great series coming after this, too. Oh, yeah. Three weeks on evangelism, right? And then we've got 15 weeks on culture. Buckle up. Buckle up. That's all I can say. Up. That's right. What's kingdom have to do with culture? Man, does that have everything Uh to do with culture? Oh. Culture is all about the kingdom. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And thanks, guys, for joining us. Really appreciate it. As always, our mission is to proclaim the message of the king. And when the culture comes out to play king of the Hear Ye Hill, we're going to take the hill every time because we're the Hear Ye Kings. Until next week, remember this verse found in Philippians 1.6. It says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Until next time, long live our eternal king.